quality or the competence or the ability of a designer is not so closely tied to the years of experience that they have, but more to the types of experience they've been exposed to. Hi, everyone, and welcome on a new episode of Honest UX Talk. As always, I'm joined by Anfisa, and today we're going to be tackling one of the questions that one of our listeners submitted. It's a very interesting question. I think it tackles a situation that most of us have been through in our career as UX designers. And the gist of it is... How do we deal with old school designers who are not open to experiment with new ways of working or changing their old ways? So we're going to share a bunch of personal stories and we're going to go deeper into the question that was asked. But before that, I just want to thank Swine for <laughs> sponsoring our conversations and to invite everyone to try out Spline Design Tool, which is a 3D design tool that I've been playing around with. And it's just super fun. And I have a lot of engagement on my social channels because of the 3D design posts I'm doing. So people seem to be very excited about it. So so definitely it's a skill to hone. It, now's the time to, to catch the train of 3D design. And so, yeah, go out and experiment with new design fields like I'm doing. So with this intro, I just want to ask Anfisa, how were your past weeks? Yeah, it's been two weeks because I got sick, right? <laughs> so we couldn't record the episode last week. And I'm sorry for that. <laughs> um, but um, let me think. So two weeks were actually sick but busy. I don't know if it's a good combo, but that's life in the startup world right now. On the bright side, the startup life is really, really active. It's like completely soaks you in, so I don't have time for anything else. And so, yeah, literally, it's been like really hectic, lots and lots of things going on. And we had old hands planning in the theater. It was really cool because it was like... 140 people in the theater presenting what they're planning to work on and collaborating and having drinks and, I don't know, dancing Macarena. It was really fun. I was a bit sick, but <laughs> hey, it was fun. Oh, by the way, yeah, another good thing happened uh, that I finally hit 100,000K followers. Woohoo! <laughs> I Yay! forgot to mention that. Yay. Congrats. So it's been six years, yes. And literally, thank you so much. You and other creators who actually supported me helped me to get this milestone in the exact six days birthday that was awesome it was really exciting and um, though the work was super hectic in that day and I couldn't even I don't know find time to drink coffee and literally I finished work at like 9 p.m and I wanted to celebrate it I like left my home went to the nearest shop and said like give me the balloons with 100 numbers on it and the shop was literally closing in that moment I was like give me the balloons now <laughs> So I forced myself to have a little celebration there. Uh, that's how my last two weeks went. How about you? How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. So first of all, congratulations on the milestone. I know that it, it was a very, very organic, if you want, and, and patient growth that, that you've experienced because I feel that you've always showed up with valuable content and didn't try to short circuit the growth journey in any way. So you've been one of the most vertical designers I've seen out there. So congrats for that. Yeah. So with 
this celebration. Uh, what other celebrations did we have? I'm not sure. My life is probably just the same old, same old, same old UX bootcamp, trying to help people transition into UX design with mental. I think I've talked about our students who landed their first design jobs, and right now we're in the process of supporting them in their first roles. We're actually, they're doing a great job and they don't need too much support, but we're, we're still trying to check in with them uh, from time to time. Just business as usual, nothing too special. Lately, we're just cooking up a bunch of new partnerships at Mental to help us improve our learning experience even more. So we're, we're talking with platforms like UXL to have the practical exercises embedded in the curriculum and, and stuff like that. So we're, we're doing quite a lot of work all the time, but it's now it's just for me business as usual. So, and also I'm doing quite a lot of UX work these days. I think last week I had like seven usability sessions, which is, is pretty intense when you also have a baby and a bootcamp and everything. Yeah, a lot of usability testing with, with a product I've helped develop at an MVP level. And the last thing I want to mention is that I have been hooked by TikTok. I'm off the hook again. <laughs> so I've had like this, this very brief romance with TikTok for like two weeks. I felt like, oh my God, this is the new platform for me. How could I have laughed at TikTok for such a long time? And now I'm back to like, no, that's not the place. <laughs> so it was very short lived, but intense. Yeah. So with this intro, let's jump into the questions for today. I think that I'm going to ask you on FISA to maybe read out loud the question that came in our Spotify sticker, just so we provide a context for the conversation we're about to have. Yay, of course. First of all, thank you so much, Michaela, who submitted this question under, under Spotify. It's really exciting to find the little dot on the Spotify with the question. So please do this more often. It makes us excited. <laughs> but yeah, the question is how to deal with senior old style designers that don't want to update their work and the ways of working. She particularly is struggling as a junior designer who just got into UX after doing the bootcamp. And I would believe that the bootcamps helped her to kind of gain some perspective on how to work, maybe in collaboration with other like workshops, uh, maybe working in Figma, because I know that some designers still stick to Sketch or other tools that are less collaborative. I mean, I don't know what exactly is meant under the word new ways of working, right? But I would just assume that we're talking about new tools, maybe more collaborations, such workshops, maybe new processes like experiments, because honestly, I think that new ways is very subjective thing. My assumption would be that when we are talking about the old school designers, particularly we are talking about people that started their career in 2010-ish, something like that, or even earlier, like 2005, three. 90s or something, which means that was very web heavy space, I would say, where the technology was very different place. It was not so optimized. The apps were just even not there at, until 2007 or eight or something like that. And then pretty much everything they were doing was in flash. And now that would have a very strong habit of how they would maybe prepare their design, a strong process established already and stuff like that. So that's my assumption when I'm thinking about the old school designers, but what's your perspective? Well, how would you define the old school dinosaurs, I would say? <laughs> Yeah, well, I have my own personal definition of uh, what an old school designer is. And I've met a few in my career. And it's really interesting because it's, it's a very contrasting kind of experience. So on one hand, you have so much to learn from these people, because like you said, they've been around for a while. So, so the first person I've met on this archetype was doing design since 1995. In 1995, I was six years old, <laughs> just to put things into perspective. So I had so much, so much to learn from them. 
But at the same time, they were still using Photoshop for UX work. So there, there was like this huge contrast because I was in the early days of my design career. It was very hard to navigate, to understand and, and, and like pick and choose the good aspects or the good lessons and differentiate, make a, make a distinction between what, what I should like pick up and, and integrate in my own way of working and what should be totally be ignored. I think that's interesting about these people that in a way they they're disconnected from the way we do things in 2022, but at the same time they're doing things sometimes in a very profound and very careful and very studied and very tried and tested way. So the challenge is navigating this contrast. I also feel that sometimes people mistake experience for competence. It was the case quite a few times that people who had 15, maybe 20 years of experience weren't necessarily more competent than someone with five years of experience in the market. So, but this was a distinction that for me, if you have a lot of experience, you're like better than me. <laughs> so if someone has 20 years of experience, they're better than me and they're better than anyone who has 10 years of experience. It's like a bias that, that I obviously have. But I'm also aware of it and, and I've learned that being around for a long time doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing things better by now. Probably I've talked many times about how I met Andy Budd and I'm particularly proud about that encounter. And I just want to credit him for telling me that quality or the competence or the ability of a designer is not so closely tied to the years of experience that they have, but more to the types of experience they've been exposed to. So it's very possible that someone with 20 years of experience has been working in the same company for the past 15 and has been doing the same kind of work with the same kind of team, with the same kind of industry and product. And someone who's been in the industry for six years has been on three, four different jobs with different products, different team structures, different companies, industries, and so on. And so they have a more diverse perspective and a more robust experience in a way. So it's not just for how long you did something, but also what you did in that time. I love so it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's really like more about the kind of experience you have, because you could have been working on one specific thing, let's say landing pages, just tweaking up the styles for 20 years. And that will not qualify you, let's say, as a product designer. It will not be enough of a skill set or mindset that you can apply in the next other context, right? So it really depends what kind of experience you have had rather than how many years you have had. And it's really interesting that sometimes some of these people, they kind of feel entitled because they've been in the industry for a long time. Some of them are still very modest, even if I've seen people with 20 years of experience, like probably pioneers of UX design uh, that are very modest. They, they in a way take pride. So they own their experience and they, they're proud of the work they've done, but they're not entitled and they didn't make an ego boasting about it kind of deal out of it. But many people who are maybe not in a growth mindset or maybe not open to being challenged or, or maybe they have a tense relationship with their own egos, they would oftentimes pull out appeal to authority. When, when they say, I'm an authority because I've been around for 15 years, so stop having a debate with me because I know better. And I've had that as well. I've experienced it with different people. Just when, when we've had a debate or maybe I challenged the way of working or maybe I've challenged some design decision in a re very respectful way because that's how I am. I'm, I'm very much a people pleaser, so I'm never aggressive in any way. But the response was, you know what? I've been doing this for 20 years, so I know better. So I think this is where things can get toxic. And maybe this is something that our listener, Mihai, 
Ayala might be struggling with. But I would say let's explore more of that. So have you met any people in your career that, that kind of fit this archetype? And what was your experience with them? Yeah, people with the authority card, right? <laughs> so my experience, I think, was more of a positive. So I did not necessarily have people with a very strong patterns, especially when I just got started. I think I mentioned it many times just because I was mainly freelancing. And if there were authority people, it was mainly people that were not designers. So I didn't experience particularly that problem early stage in my career. However, I did met those people like in the events, in the conferences, in small like hackathons or small occasional design exercises, which I was doing with somebody in pair. And I do remember having that attitude and, and using this authority card. So in my case, it was just like very bite-sized experience when I would work with those people. And I think I consider myself lucky around it because when I would be around those people, and again, now I will be actually talking hypothetically because long-term I didn't work with like dinosaurs <laughs> or old school designers. I'm talking about this in a positive key, by the way. <laughs> I just like the word. So I, I will be talking hypothetically because I've met those people in a couple of the events. I had the beer with them. And I remember the case when I'm sitting on the beer, sort of design event. And there is a designer with like 20 experience next to me. And then across the table, a designer with like three or four years of experience. And this the designer with a three or four years experience is saying, oh, you know, I just find this uh, new role as a senior designer. And that designer with 20 years of experience is immediately like becomes, mm, not to say defensive, but he changes the tone. He's like, what kind of senior you are in three, four years? Like he basically questions if you can be a senior in three, four years, but he doesn't know what it takes, right? To this person to get there. Maybe this person was working really heavily with a really uh, smart and, and knowledgeable designers, very hands-on and kind of gained that perspective. So I, I do believe that you can be a senior in three or four years, but that person could not believe that because if we look back how they worked, how they were growing, while ago, the the technology you know was not there so the speed with, with which you can grow was very different we didn't have the tools we didn't have the processes the internet was much slower the resources were not there you couldn't learn from many ex many experienced designers simply because everybody was still figuring it out back then because i would call that ux was really on the raise only like 10 15 years ago and from that moment it started growing intensely but before that it was really all people figuring it out uh, for them of course 20 years ago it would not take three or four years to become senior because it was still a learning progress all like every single year it, it was like a smaller steps versus right now when it comes to how to approach working with those people i definitely think it, it's going to be a challenge into understanding their mindset again i didn't work necessarily hands-on with them so my assumption is that it would be a lot around changing their perspective and mindset and helping them open it up a little bit and understand that, that you can actually do a great job maybe showing with example I don't know, showing with the context, leading by example, I guess, showing how much you can achieve, making them realize that they're not keeping up with something, making them realize that they could be working more effectively, I guess, because I believe that if you're strongly believing that you are so knowledgeable and so experienced, but then you're seeing this 
new green three four years old <laughs> designer is doing a better job than you usually i would imagine the designer would start feeling insecure and then start either keeping it up or becoming defensive which would be a red sign i guess my approach to working with those designers would be more of a leading by example and showing how much uh, effective you could be working in a smaller team and the kind of closer collaboration showing by example how you can actually be effective in just three or four years of your experience. What would be your take on this, Joanna? It's very interesting to look back and reflect because I've had this in my own experience. I've improved on the way I address it. So I just want to briefly go again over what types of symptoms of this kind of collaboration I've identified. So one thing is that, like you said, they tend to get defensive and they tend to get dismissive with your decisions just on the grounds of more experience. So appealing to authority because they have more experience. This is one symptom. Another one is just maybe not open to collaboration in the sense that they will do everything by themselves. So they won't even invite you in the process. They're not open to to getting you involved or getting other people from the team involved. So I've seen senior designers do this because in their mind, they do it better and they do it faster. And it might be true. Sometimes they do it better and sometimes they do it faster. Sometimes it's both. So that's why they're not particularly open to, to slowing down their process and their efficiency just to collaborate with other people. But what they're missing is the, the benefit of having a diverse perspective or a, a new angles, new challenges, new questions that they might have missed. Because I think that regardless of your experience, you're going to miss questions. You're going to miss angles. You need to be challenged. So even if you have 50 years of experience and you're Don Norman, <laughs> you still need to be challenged. So this is something very important that senior designers seem to forget. The other aspect that I've seen with this kind of archetypal old school designer is that they're not particularly open to trying out new methods, new tools, and obviously everything improves. So if we would do like even medical treatments like we did in the 1900s, then many of us would die from a tooth infection or something. So the world is progressing in all aspects. And it's the same with design work. So like I said, one of the people who I've collaborated with that were fitting this archetype, they were using Photoshop. At the time, Figma was not a thing, it's true, uh, but Sketch was already around and they weren't even open to using wireframing tools like Balsamic, who was already around. So there's like this very deep root in the way they're used to doing things. And and I'm also guilty of that myself, so I'm not judging. I'm not. I'm not saying that just old school designers are guilty of that. I'm just saying some of the most common symptoms, although I've also been very reluctant to dropping sketch completely. So because my mind was so modeled after sketch, now I'm Dude. still, <laughs> I'm still using both sketch and Figma. And it's funny because they're pretty similar. So the difference are not uh, major. It's not like a complete shift that I need to do, but still it's, it, I'm so used to using sketch that when I want to do something quickly, I go to Sketch. And then when I have to collaborate, I go to Figma. So I still have uh, some, some reluctancy like the one I'm describing. So I'm guilty as well. But yeah, I mean, a lot of ego, a lot of gatekeeping, both in how you view the industry, but also in how you collaborate and how open you are to inviting people in your process and just using old tools, old ways. So these are some of the symptoms and also being dismissive and sometimes not allowing others to have a voice in meetings, in the process. And so feeling that they need to lead. Many times these designers feel like 
because they they have the most experience and they're the authority on the project. They need to lead that project. And sometimes there is no need for someone to lead it. It's just collaboration that needs to be the keyword, not leading or, or being in charge. And and they also forget that. On, on one hand, it's good that somebody drives the process, findings, research, everything. But on the other hand, this complete seizing of, of the process takeover is uh, detrimental to junior designers or other people on the team. These are some of the top of mind things that come to my mind when it comes to the things that you might deal with when you deal with this kind of designer. And now in terms of how to overcome it, in, in my own career in the beginning, I was very hurt. So I had no way of overcoming. I was just being very emotional about it, not like expressing my emotions, but just going at home and being very sad. <laughs> And it, it made it all very personal because I had no idea that this is how they work in general. I thought it's because I'm not a good enough designer, because I'm not fast enough, because I don't understand everything that I have to understand at that point. So I made it about myself. It made me feel guilty and it made me feel incompetent that I couldn't find a way to collaborate or make this person trust me. And then I realized, and even looking back, reflecting back today, that the trust issue was on their half, not on mine. So they had the problem and it was later than I realized that they had a problem with everyone else on the team. It wasn't just about me, but, but at that moment I made it very personal and very emotional and very hurtful. So I wasn't very good at overcoming this in the beginning, but now what I do is that I stand my ground. So even if there's someone on the team who's very vocal, who's very outspoken, who's very articulate, who's very egotic or or senior or has like all the experience in the world, I still stand my ground as someone who knows what they're doing, as someone whose point of view deserves to be made <laughs> and should have equal weight if it's well informed. So it doesn't have to be just on the base of experience, but it's also if, if I trust that I can make a point, I'll make it. I won't be silenced <laughs> anymore. So, but this came with experience. So, so stand your ground, even if it feels really weird. And even if you feel intimidated, and even if you feel like maybe you're not right, it's not a problem to be wrong, but it is a problem to like run away and not deal with the thing, not confront it. So I would do that. But also I would try to like maybe create a connection with that person. Maybe try to understand, just like you said, maybe for them it's hard as well. Maybe they're having a hard time because they see people who are younger, who have access to new information sources that they're not following, that they're not aware of, new processes, new ways of working, new everything, new tools. And so for them, it feels like, what if I'm rusty? What if I'm like off the market? What if I'm not competitive anymore? So probably there's a lot of insecurity, just like Anfisa said, and maybe you just need to be nice to them and try to earn their trust and try to show them that using the latest tool doesn't mean that it's shallow or just a superficial trick, but it's also very productive and very useful and very cool and optimizing, streamlining the process. So my best piece of advice right now would be to of course, you're not the one who needs to solve other people's problems. And if somebody is toxic, it's not your problem to fix them. Uh, I'm not advocating for like sacrificing your own well-being to create a connection with someone else. But may maybe there's room for that from time to time. Maybe sometimes it's just the case that you want to build a bridge. <laughs> so Anfisa, do you want to build on anything that I've yeah. said? <laughs> Yeah, actually, I really love this, uh, this thread of thoughts. I think it's very good to start from a side of compassion. It's also important, like when you were talking, I realized that it's important to understand that both sides have something to contribute to each other. It's almost like about the inclusivity because 
fresh designers come with a fresh perspective. Usually junior designers are so much more motivated and excited and they're just more into doing things rather than designers with baggage of experience. You Like you said, I really like the word rusty. I don't know why, but it, it sounds like very good representation of what it means. Um, and, and, and indeed, like your energy, your motivation, your new ways of doing things can be contagious. And you have to realize that that's your strength and that if the designer is open and I really think that it's important for designers to stay open-minded and always adopt new styles of working. And if they're not, I think it might be a problem on their side, like Ioana said. But uh, point is that indeed, like your energy can be contagious and they can learn something from you while you can learn the perspective from them. So both of you can a lot to offer. And it's true that when you're junior, you might be feeling a little bit insecure. You still don't have your confidence in what you have to offer, right? But you have to realize from the outside perspective, if you look into the situation, the designer with experience has a strong perspective. He understands the implication of decisions that you are doing on the design side, but you have new faster ways of working, maybe more effective ways of working, maybe more exciting ways of working. This industry is growing and gaining new shapes so rapidly that it is important to keep up with this. And if the designer is not keeping up, they are becoming, not to say failing, but they are not as competitive as other designers. Referring back to the situation with like three years senior versus 20 years senior designer, Honestly speaking, yes, like I think that the, the three years old designers, sometimes it's better to work with them because they could offer something more relevant to the market right now. For the designers with many years of experience, it is important to be open to learn from others, especially new designers with new angles, tools and, and, and processes and ways to collaborate and even like energy, you know, like sometimes when you have long experience, you just don't feel as excited about new challenges, new projects, and you might start even feeling a little bit bored and somebody new comes in and you kind of could sort of infect them with your optimism and your enthusiasm about doing things, right? Even the small thing like tool. Uh, I was kind of a dinosaur as well with the sketch, like you did mention. <laughs> I was really reluctant as well to switch to Figma. So I was open in Figma and I was like, damn, why is it done in this way? In the first place, I felt definitely defensive because I was like, this is not good. It's not easy. Why auto layout is so complicated? Why you can't just pin it to one corner and it's done? <laughs> While now I feel like I've learned a lot from actually using Figma. I feel like it's so much more empowering. And I was so stupid for being so reluctant for a while to switch to Figma. A few days ago, they announced this new improvement for the auto layout, right? And it's so much more front-end and CSS and classes and auto layout is so much flexbox and it, it, it makes sense, right? It, it makes sense because you are more aligned with the developers and now you can be much faster in building stuff and then developers can much faster implement it and it's, again, more efficient. So tools help us designers to become better collaborators and deliver value faster. So <laughs> why I'm saying this, I think that the perspective is important, especially for the juniors, realizing how much you have to offer uh, and not just diminishing yourself because you might not have all those years of experience and your perspective is not that strong. You can gain it from the designers with experience, but they can also learn equally lots of stuff from you. Maybe not design related, but again, there are other aspects, especially in the soft skill side that they can learn from you. And also, I guess a little point to this is that every single person has different background 
and has a different angle to add to, to the situation. So when every time you're discussing something, sometimes you can bring a point that nobody thought about. We all think differently. Somebody would be more pragmatic. Somebody would be more, I don't know, creative, crazy. And we all need to balance each other. So having fresh perspective with a different point of view can be actually very good for design because you can actually spot some cases and have more considerations for your design decisions. That's what I would love to add here. Awesome points. Yeah, I think we've covered quite some things here. I'm not sure if there's anything I would like to add, except for one important idea. And this is my segue into the top three findings, which I'm going to start with. An idea that kind of was brought up by entire conversation, it feels like it's like an overarching theme, is that ego shouldn't dictate the design. And it's something that I realized very early when having to deal with this, I wouldn't call them narcissistic, but very defensive personalities in my work. And I've had it quite a bunch of times. And I just want to add one more thing, actually. So when it comes to how to deal with it, another thing that I did on a different instance, when this person was very much not gatekeeping, but sort of feeling threatened of every initiative that I took and sort of reacting very defensive and telling me that, oh no, I was supposed to do that. Why did you do it? It's like design belonged to him only and nobody could like interfere with it or have some sort of autonomy or agency or just do things because it's like a direct threat. And I've had that in my experience with another person. So I've dealt with a lot of people who had ego problems in in their work as designers. And And what I did in that particular case when I felt like my work was being dismissed just because it wasn't done by him. So everything that someone else did that was like even perceived as being potentially better didn't really have to be better. It was just done by someone else. It it triggered him to feel that maybe I should have done that. Why didn't I think of that? Maybe it was my responsibility to do that. It was obvious that it was triggering some sort of defense mechanism. And what I did, and it's an important finding and an important message is that I just confronted them. And I just said, you know what, let's sit down and have a conversation, a very open conversation. This is the behavior or the pattern that I see happening. I do this and then I see you react like that. And then that makes me feel like this. And then I am discouraged to try new things or propose new processes or ideas or anything. So just have a very direct conversation. It, it has to come from a very honest and open and vulnerable place and, and describe how their behavior makes you feel and what you feel both of you can. So it doesn't have to be a witch hunt where you just tell them, you know what, you're wrong, you're doing things wrong, you need to change you, you, you don't make it just about them, make it about your relationship and your collaboration and, and frame it in a way that both sides could improve things or just start by asking, what can I do to make this process better to make our collaboration better start by asking what change you can act on i think it's very mature of you and it's very courageous for you especially if you were a younger designer to do this so yeah kudos to you that is a really really great way to resolve it and i think that that person should have started respecting you much more after doing that i think they did i think they did and it's funny that i think one or two years after they came back and they asked so we weren't working together anymore and they came back and they wanted to have a genuine, very open conversation where they apologized and they told me that they were having some struggles and there was a a lot of responsibility and a lot of pressure. And and so they wanted to thank me for having that conversation. And, And at that moment, when I initiated the conversation, it felt very stressful, vulnerable, weird, like am I handling this right? I, I felt like I have no idea what I'm doing, and but it just felt like the right thing to do. And years after they came 
towards me to confirm that my decision to have an honest, open conversation with them was the right decision and that they feel sorry for missing on the cues that their behavior was hurting others. Or It's really interesting. And this person is a very talented and very productive, great designer. But there was this weak point in collaboration that just needed to be addressed, maybe even like known to them. Maybe they didn't even know at that point. And I was the first one to speak up and I didn't do it publicly in a way that puts them in a defensive or aggressive light. But I took them in a meeting room and told them in a very private conversation that this is what I perceive. And they thanked me later. So yeah, it was the right thing to do looking back. <laughs> so with- awesome. this is a great story. But I also wanted to ask you a question and maybe finish this also on a brighter note or more positive side. Um, did you ever actually work with designers who have maybe 10, 20 years of experience, but were super cool, super open, trying out new things, asking you to help you, them to learn something? Did you ever actually experience this? I did, but it's rare. I don't know if it's just a local thing here in it's Eastern Europe. Surprising, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's I think I think Eastern Europe kind of has this very competitive scarcity mindset because of communism, the communism history and legacy and and what our parents told us that we need to be the best to keep our jobs and if we're not the yeah, best in the office. I think it's something cultural as well. When I work with people from the West, they're more inclined to be modest, to be down to earth, to treat everyone as equal. So it's also a cultural thing. In Romania, I've seen it a lot, the bad side of, of experience. But I've also, I've worked with some people on the same team that I was discussing in the last example. There was someone who was doing UI design. It's true that we weren't as much overlapping. So they they were a UI designer with over 10 years of experience, but they were so curious to understand more about UX to, they were like student, (laughs) like someone who's 18 and trying to figure out how the world works. And it was fascinating. And I just loved that curiosity and that the openness to like learn more and learn new areas and expand your knowledge and your uh, competence. So I've had that example, yes. But again, and, and another example that comes to my mind and that I really love remembering, there was this design event in Romania in Bucharest and I, I'm really sorry that I forgot her name. Her name was Stephanie, but I don't remember her last name. And she came in to give a one-day workshop about research insights and operating with insights, I think, something along those lines. So it was a research-oriented kind of workshop with someone who was very experienced as a researcher, I think, 20 years of experience. She worked at MailChimp. She was behind the famous MailChimp personas that everybody saw and used, and they were like so popular. And she, she was just great. And And what I really, really, really was impressed by was her very modest and very down to earth and very not just friendly, but like curious, like probably has to do with the fact that she was a researcher. So she had the research mindset and curiosity mindset, but she she even had the body language. So when she came in to see how you were working, she just sat on her knees next to your like it was like a. For me, not the place to sit on your knees because it was just a weird meeting room. But she, she would always sit on her knees, come next to your desk to be at the same level as you are. So even on a body language level, she was curious and treating everything as equal, interesting, novelty. And she was the teacher. So she was the authority objectively in that setup. 
but she didn't act as a teacher, as a traditional teacher that's just passing on information from her to us. She was collaborating with us at every moment. And it was just impressive for me. It was the first time when I saw that seniorship combined with modesty. And and my mentor is like that as well, Stephen Gates. Hey, Stephen. Hey. <laughs> also, <laughs> he's like, he never, he, he, he leads with so much authority and he's so knowledgeable and so experienced and so, so wise. But I think that's feel. a good sign. I yeah. think that's a good sign. So we today discussed quickly that if you are, you know, staying open, you're staying in the game for 20 plus years, right? You're staying relevant in the industry. And that is actually a very strong sign that if you're seeing leaders like this, that's for the reason they manage to kind of keep up with the standards of the design industry and staying modest, staying open, staying curious about things. This is amazing. I, I agree with you that those are the signs that fascinate me as well, especially from the people who are very experienced and knowledgeable and maybe even legendary. Like, for example, I don't know, Steve Kruger or whoever, like the Don Norman, if they talk to you like you're the same person, that makes you feel special while you realize how knowledgeable you are. They are not defensive. They would be really open to answer your question and give you the perspective and help you becoming a better designer, not because they're afraid that you will take their place, but because that is so normal for designers to do. I think, I mean, this is a standard right now. <laughs> so yeah, that's definitely a great sign. And actually I also had, um, he was not necessarily a super cool designer working with us, but he was like a designer that for me was impressive because he was like 45 years old or something like that. And when we, we joined uh, the company on the same day and I was like, for a second, suspicious about how it will be to collaborate with the person. I was like 27 or something like this. And the person was 45 and I was like, oh, oh. And that person had a son who was like 20 years old, almost my age. <laughs> so I was like, oh, oh, how is it going to work for us? Because we will be in the same team. I was a little bit cautious. However, I was so impressed. But that person being so young in the heart, asking questions, being excited about things. So... That person also worked in Photoshop for like 20 years or so. When he joined, we said, oh, we're working in Sketch. He's like, oh, cool. I'm super excited to start working in Sketch. And so I was like, what, really? You're so easily going to switch to Sketch? <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's awesome. And then just less than one year later, our company said, we are switching to Figma. And he was like, whoa, wonderful. I would be so excited to switch to Figma. I was like, wait. I don't want this. I hate Figma. I don't want it. So he was giving me literally this inspiration, staying open-minded and 45 years old when you have a grown-up child, switching tools, being open and asking you questions. And he was actually more experienced in web development. So I would always ask him questions about web development, but he would ask me always about the sketch tricks and stuff like this. So there was definitely a ground for us to learn from each other. And that's a perspective I would definitely want to keep from this conversation that there is always something to learn from each other. I love yeah. this point. Let, let's move into our top three findings. And yeah. I'm gonna just reiterate what you just said. There's always something that we can learn from each other, regardless of the experience gap of how many projects each of us did. So you'll always be able to learn from someone and they will be able to learn from you. And I hope that you meet more people that have that open attitude. This is one thing. The other thing is that, like I said, ego shouldn't be part of the design process. And unfortunately it is, but maybe we need to call it out more often and just be confrontational about it without being aggressive 
uh, but by being assertive and just taking a stand either through a personal conversation or even discussing with your manager if it's a, if it's a real issue but we need to kind of like not tolerate this kind of behavior anymore i think Green. we owe it to ourselves but also to the design industry as a whole and my last finding for today is that for all the people who get defensive, there's such a vulnerable, weak point inside of them that for me, when I see someone getting defensive today, it makes me feel compassion more than feeling attacked in any way or, or feeling that it has something to do with me. It's just... This person is hurting, this person is insecure, this person feels rusty or whatever. So they, they just need to like be shown some of the respect they feel that they need, like the respect that everyone deserves. It's like in the conversations we have with our parents, right? So our parents tell us, you need to respect me because I'm your mother. And that's it. That's the only reason. Like, okay, it, it's a good reason. I can understand it. I, I have a daughter myself, so I want her to respect me because I'm her mother. But sometimes you know things better than your parents. And even when the child is little, they know things better than their parents. So I think that we should all transition into this curiosity mindset, growth mindset, where everyone is equal in, in terms of what we can learn from one another. I, I really loved your point. Those are really, really important takeaways. I'm totally signing up on those. <laughs> but uh, I think important thing is also to look out for those symptoms we have discussed today, right? When you're seeing the designer has been a bit protective of his boundaries, maybe too protective, like working in a bubble alone, don't touch my design. Or let's say it's not finished yet, it's not perfect yet. All of those small things, those could be the legacies of maybe 10, 15 years ago, but today they're just not relevant. And on this, like you said, we need to challenge the status quo and those authority boundaries because today the mature design cultures recognize the importance of being open and collaborative and always in a respectful and kind way challenging all the decisions done so i think for you as a junior designer it's important to look out for those symptoms and if slowly time to time you feel that it impacts you it doesn't make you feel good or i don't know it impacts your productivity it impacts your confidence and stuff like this maybe you can just start noting them down and realize that maybe this is not a healthy environment and maybe you just have to challenge those so yeah that's kind of to your point like you mentioned um also another two small points i'll definitely add here is that 20 years of experience doesn't mean this is a qualitative experience years. Years do not necessarily mean smart head that figure it all out. 10, 20 years ago, the speed of design development was very different. And today you can actually get to that level much faster. And also the, the level or the depths of their experience was really, really important. So what companies they worked, what challenges they were working on. That is what you need to ask or sort of challenge back rather than the number itself, just to keep this in mind. And also the last point I would say is that you have to trust in yourself because your energy is inspiring. You, you have something to add. You have a lot to contribute. You're not aware about it. And hopefully you will have a good manager to support you and help you and inject confidence in you, help you realize in your strong sides. Yes, you might not still build this perspective and know it all, <laughs> figure out all the implications of design decisions, but you are getting there and you have other things to offer today. That's an important thing to remember, I believe. And that would be it, I guess, from my side. I think we covered a lot of points and mm -hmm. Mihaela, you can, you can text us with follow-up questions. So we answer your case even more specific if you want. 
yeah, I think that's it for today. I want to thank everyone who listened and I want to invite you to follow Honest UX Talks on Instagram and on whatever listening platform you're on. Make sure to leave a review if you want to support us anyway with a nice gesture. And also please submit topics for future episodes. We will be thanking you, not just individually, but also in the episode as well. Yes, please tell us what we should discuss in the future. And thank you so much for listening. Make sure to check out other episodes if you've missed them. And I guess that's it. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs>